Amateur Radio Newsline Report number 2397, with a release date of Friday, October 6, 2023, to follow in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. The following is a QST. A communication safety net is restored in Wisconsin. Park activators in Serbia honor a beloved pioneer. And on the islands off Scotland, a SOTA enthusiast and his family activate 10 previously unactivated summits. All this and more as Amateur Radio Newsline Report number 2397 comes your way right now. From around the world, this is Newsline, Amateur Radio's first independent on-the-air news and bulletin service. Now reporting from Charleston, West Virginia, here's Jim Dameron, NATMW. We begin this week with the story of how a group of volunteer radio operators restored a local safety net in one Wisconsin county where vital emergency communication had been lost for years. Well, that's all history now, thanks to the skill and generosity of a number of local amateur radio operators. Kent Peterson, KC0DGY, tells us what they did. Skyborne Services and other forms of emergency communication are finally back in business for the Washera County Amateur Radio Emergency Services in Wisconsin. There's a new 20-foot commercial-grade antenna on the Watoma Water Tower to assist hams as they pass vital information to one another and first responders during crisis situations. Local businessman Ben Janke, N9NOJ, and his partner Brad Wilson were among those to complete the installation, saving thousands of dollars in potential expenses. The antenna serves the HAMS VHF repeater, which had been knocked off the air about a dozen years ago by a lightning strike. That lightning damaged the old antenna and also destroyed the repeater's circuit board. Other HAMS, such as Glenn Haroldson, N5IIA, took up the task of radio repair. The volunteer efforts were coordinated by George Lampier, AB9CQ, who saw the need to revive the Aries group, which had grown dormant without the use of their repeater. By late September, the Aries hams were back on the air, testing the repeater's operation and collecting signal reports. It was time to get down to business in preparation for the long winter season ahead. This is Kent Peterson, KC0, DGY. Hams in Serbia have not forgotten one of that country's pioneers in the flora and fauna program. Once again, they honored him by doing what he himself loved to do. Jeremy Boot, G4NJH, gives us the details. Search for the name Goran Savage on YouTube and you will find some compelling memorial video tributes along with the YouTube channel maintained by the late Serbian military test pilot showcasing some of the dramatic and ethereal views he captured from the cockpits of various planes. The Air Force Major was known in the amateur radio community as YT-2A and in the US as AD-7JQ. The global ham community grieved when, in September 2012, he became a silent key in a plane crash. According to news reports, the tragic accident happened as, rather than eject, he steered the plane to avoid crashing into homes in a residential area. Serbian hams, most especially in the worldwide flora and fauna community, have not forgotten Goran. On Saturday the 30th of September, they worked international pileups during the annual memorial event for the family and outdoors man who was also an active pioneer and advocate of the flora and fauna program. As always, there will be diplomas awarded, downloadable after the 1st of November, 
and the friends of this much-loved silent key will begin planning their tribute for the 12th anniversary of his death in 2024. This is Jeremy Bucci for NJH. Ham radio operators will be at the Pentagon and other military sites around the United States next month to mark the 75th anniversary of a program in which hams support our national defense. Andy Morrison, K9AWM, has that story. The Air Force Military Auxiliary Radio System is marking its 75th anniversary of service to the U.S. military with a special event on all HF bands using all modes during the first week of November. Stations in each of the system's 10 wings will be calling CQ, as will the Mars station located at the Pentagon in Washington, D.C., using the call K4AF. Another station at Travis Air Force Base will be using the call sign KE6UEU. Certificates are being awarded for contacts. Stations containing five wings will receive a bronze endorsement. Stations logging all 10 plus the stations at the Pentagon and Travis Air Force Base will receive gold endorsements on their certificates. The event begins on November 5th and ends on November 11th, which is observed as Veterans Day in the United States. Certificates will be downloadable after the 30th of November. Mars radio operators are volunteer members of a civilian auxiliary providing communication assistance for the U.S. military when needed. The organization was created in 1948. There are Mars volunteers serving the U.S. Air Force and the U.S. Army. This is Andy Morrison, K9AWM. In the Philippines, hams are discovering that there is no right age for becoming a leader. One 10-year-old girl, a newly licensed radio operator, is showing everyone how it's done. Graham Kemp, VK4BB, tells us her story. The newest operator handling a weekly evening net for the Philippines ham radio Cebu, DX7CBU, is also a very new ham who has wasted no time showing her leadership skills. At the age of 10, Samamina, DY7SUM, is the youngest member of the club, where her parents, Bajorn DW7KGB and Bop-Bop DW7OIC, run nets on other nights. With the help of her parents and her mentor, Jet 4F7MHZ, the club's founder and trustee, Summer sat for her foundation exam from the National Telecommunications Commission this past June and received her licence. Now she is actively taking check-ins on two metres. Jet told Newsline in an email that Summer was inspired by her parents' activities as amateur radio operators, calling her a natural achiever. Her leadership abilities extend to her academic life off the air. When she's not running the show on the local repeater, Summer is in her third term as president of her class at the Maria Montessori International School in Cebu. I'm Graham Kemp, VK4BB. For some people, it's the easiest question in the world. For others, one of the toughest. What attracted you to amateur radio? The Intrepid DX Group is challenging young radio operators to answer this question as part of its fourth annual Dream Rig Essay Contest. The two-page essays must be written by amateurs who are 19 years of age or younger and who hold a Canadian or U.S. amateur radio license. Contestants must reside in Canada, the U.S., or a U.S. territory and must promise to use the radio on the air for at least a year 
here and not sell or trade it. Top prize, an ICOM IC7300. Second and third place winners will receive an ICOM ID5100 AD dual-band mobile radio with D-Star and an ICOM ID52A dual-band handy-talkie with D-Star, respectively. Entries can be mailed to the Intrepid DX Group, 3052 Wetmore Drive, San Jose, California, 95148 USA. All entries due by November 30th. If you use DMR, D-Star, or any other digital mode, better days are ahead. A software upgrade is in the works for the system that supports many of these modes, as we hear from Jack Parker, W8ISH. The multi-mode digital voice modem project, which supports most of digital voice modes used by amateur radio, is about to get a software upgrade through the efforts of Jonathan Naylor, G4KLX, and with funding from Amateur Radio Digital Communications. The open-source project supports D-Star, Yezu System Fusion, NXDN, and more than 80% of the hotspots and repeaters on the Brandmeister DMR network. Jonathan, who is a developer of digital voice software, has been hired full-time to tackle a variety of issues, including bug mitigation, the creation of portable user interface on additional hardware platforms, and adding support for such industry standards as message queuing telemetry transport. According to a press release from ARDC, work has already begun in the development of packet modes for 9600, 19200, and 38400, supporting narrow bandwidth using a modulation similar to DMR. The open source project itself began in 2015. This is Jack Parker, W8ISH. Time to identify your station. We are the amateur radio newsline heard on bulletin stations around the world, including the N8VAA repeater serving parts of West Virginia, Virginia, Maryland, and Pennsylvania, and the Potomac Highlands Amateur Radio Club from Moorfield, West Virginia, Monday nights at 8. The YLCW net is back. After a summer hiatus, the check-ins resumed for this one-hour net on October 1st. Fast and slow operators are both welcome. The net starts at 0100 UTC every Sunday on 7.045 MHz. The use of net logger is strongly suggested. The net controller... Nice, K-A-1-U-L-N, describes the net as a place to learn and get comfortable, and all the operators practice various exchanges. Nice writes on Facebook, We teach. We don't compete. The Australian regulator is taking a second look at how microwave frequencies are being used in light of growing competition for those parts of the band. John Williams, VK4JJW, brings us an update. The Australian Communications and Media Authority has released its five-year spectrum outlook, which acknowledges possible changes in the range between 2.3 to 2.302 gigahertz, where amateur radio operators have privileges on a secondary basis for activities that include Earth-Moon-Earth operations. Primary use is allocated to fixed and mobile services. The ACMA notes in its report that there are competing interests for the 2.3 gigahertz band, including for wireless broadband. The ACMA expects to address that in next year's report. Meanwhile, a regulator is scrutinising the middle of the band between 3.4 gigahertz and 4 gigahertz. This is an effort to accommodate 5G services as they're rolled out in the country. The ACMA is also looking to add three bands, 
The extended L-band at 1.5 GHz between 1.518 to 1.525 GHz and 1.668 to 1.675 GHz and 1.9 GHz looking forward to an allocation of 2 GHz mobile satellite services from 1.980 to 2.005 GHz and 2.170 to 2.195 GHz. That's a lot of numbers for you. This is John Williams, VK4JJW. A United States satellite TV company has been fined $150,000 by the FCC for improperly disposing of a satellite that is no longer in service. The unprecedented fine against the DISH network showcases the new priority the federal agency has been giving lately to so-called space junk. The FCC told the Washington Post newspaper that the penalty was a breakthrough settlement underscoring the FCC's focus on disposal of satellites, rocket parts, and other debris with the potential to collide with spacecraft, such as the International Space Station. The Washington Post report said the FCC fined the company after it failed to comply with the plan of deorbit maneuvers contained in its license. The FCC said the company used a lower orbit than stated for the satellite's disposal. A statement from the DISH network reaffirmed that the company has, quote, a long track record of safely flying a large satellite fleet and takes seriously its responsibilities as an FCC licensee, end quote. DISH said the satellite was launched in 2002 and was exempt from the FCC requirement for a minimum disposal orbit. In the world of DX, be listening for Ken KH6QJ operating as T32AZ from East Kiribati, IOTA number OC024. He'll be on the air until the 17th of October. QSL to his home call. Special event station TM23RUGB will be active on the HF bands from the 16th to the 22nd of October during the Rugby World Cup. QSL via F5KHG. Frank, PH2M, will be operating holiday style as SV8-PH2M from Santorini Island, EU067, from the 13th through the 20th of October. He'll be using FT8 on 80 meters through 10 meters. CQRZ.com for QSL information. The ONC Auscust Radio Club, ON6HC, will be on the air on all bands using all modes with the call sign OR79CLM between the 13th of October and the 12th of November. The major parts of the operation will be on the 3rd, 4th, and 5th of November. The call sign suffix stands for Canadian Liberation March, which celebrates the liberation of the Belgian town of Nock on the 1st of November in 1944. QSL via the Bureau. A certificate is also available. For more details, visit qrz.com. For our final story, we ride along on one family's holiday trip to the islands. The islands in this case include some remote locations in the Outer Hebrides off Scotland. The family includes two amateur radio operators, one of them a seasoned SOTA operator looking to activate 10 summits for their first time ever. Here's your tour guide for the adventure, Jeremy Boot, G4NJH. It took Ben Lloyd a lot of kayaking across the sea, finding a ride on a local fisherman's boat, 
battling strong winds and doing a whole lot of hiking through bogs before he could achieve some personal firsts. Ben, GW4BML, Martha and two-year-old Lyra had set off on their holiday on the 23rd of September with their camper van. Ben's goal for the family's 12-day trip to the Scottish Islands was to activate ten summits that had never been activated before. In doing so, Ben was also achieving a personal first. As he told Newsline in an email, he had never before been the first person to activate any SOTA summit. He said that there were no easy routes or paths on these islands and added, quote, underfoot has been dreadful at time, bogs up to my waist on occasions, but I'm really enjoying the experience, unquote. A number of YouTube videos take the viewer along the often arduous trip on the islands of Lewis, Harris, Seaforth and Pabe. The videos can be found on the RSGB's YouTube channel. Ben is also a board director for the Radio Society of Great Britain, and so it was fitting that his first contact made on Seaforth Island was with the RSGB president John McCulloch, GI4BWM. John was 200 miles away in County Antrim in Northern Ireland and was using the president's call sign GB4RS. Each gave the other a 5-9 during the 40-metre contact, and John also gave a thumbs-up to Ben's invitation to join him on his next SOTA challenge. The two will be activating summits together next year when he visits. Hopefully there won't be the same kind of footing to bog them down. This is Jeremy Bucci for NJH. If you have a piece of amateur radio news you think Newsline would be interested in, send it on. We're not talking about advertising your club's upcoming ham fest or field day participation, but something out of the ordinary. If so, send us a brief overview via the contact page at arnewsline.org. If it's newsworthy and we'd like to cover it, we'll get back to you for more details. Meanwhile, give some thought to the true poetry of amateur radio and let your literary self shine through. Visit our website to learn more about the amateur radio newsline Haiku Challenge. Use the entry form on our website and please follow the rules for the number of syllables you must use to write your three-line haiku. We can't accept entries that do not follow traditional haiku form. With thanks to Amateur Radio Daily. Amateur Radio, Digital Communications, Air Force Mars, Australian Communications and Media Authority, Ben Lloyd, GW4BML, CQ Magazine, David Bihar, K7DB, eham.net, 425DX News, Facebook, Heather Parsons, Intrepid DX Group, Jet Manuel, 4F7MHZ, Serbian Flora and Fauna, shortwaveradio.de. Washera Argus, Washington Post, Wireless Institute of Australia, YL Risa, R1BIG, YouTube, and you, our listeners, that's all from the Amateur Radio Newsline. We remind our listeners that Amateur Radio Newsline is an all-volunteer nonprofit organization that incurs expenses for its continued operation. If you wish to support us, please visit our website at arnewsline.org and know we appreciate you all. We also remind listeners that if you like our newscast, please leave us a five-star rating wherever you subscribe to us. For now, with Karen Eve Murray, KD2GUT, at the news desk in New York, and our news team worldwide, I am Jim Dameron, N8TMW in Charleston, West Virginia, saying 73. And as always, we thank you for listening. Amateur Radio Newsline is copyright 2023, all rights reserved.